If you don't know the difference between your gifting and calling, you will prostitute your calling to the highest bidder that honors your gift. Pastor Jeremy Foster. A good friend of mine sent me this quote today as just a thought-provoking text. And as I was sharing with you earlier today, as I began to meditate upon this quote and think about it and consider it with the Word of God, I began to realize this quote is deeply intertwined with identity. But it also revealed the deep meaning of stewardship when it comes to our spiritual responsibility. So that's where we're going to go today, guys. We're going to start talking today about stewardship and how we are supposed to be good stewards in our spiritual lives, not just expecting things just to magically land in our lap. So, guys, if you don't know the difference between your gift and calling, you will prostitute the calling to the highest bidder that honors your gift. Again, that was Pastor Jeremy Foster. Now, here's what happens, guys. If you do not understand your identity, then you will go after whatever recognizes your gifts. Because when you don't understand who you are, you will immediately, when you are recognized as someone who operates in prophecy or gifts of healing or words of knowledge or a great orator, like a great pastor or preacher, anytime that gift that God's given you, even if you're a businessman and you are the best at making sales, anytime your gift elevates you, you can miss appropriate that by assuming that that's your calling so then the first person that begins to recognize you or pay you the most whether it's financially or emotionally you will go after it with all your heart and this is dangerous think about it what if paul the apostle began to do that when he was trying to become a good steward for the gospel what what if peter james and john would go after the first person that tickled their ears with pleasurable words. Oh, that was such a good message. Would they not start catering to the individual? That's what happens. When you begin to be led by your gifting, you can be taken down a path that leads you away from your long-term calling, and your long-term calling is where your greatest prosperity is going to be. Where your greatest prosperity is going to be is only going to be where your calling is. If you chase after the gift and the praise it gets you, you may appear to be successful, but you will actually land up on your face. The only one who will know that you have failed is you and God, because God's going to protect his name. There may be times that he lets us fail in life, but if you are pursuing your gifting and you're not in a gross sin, God's not going to let his name get drugged through the mud, but you and your heart of hearts will know that you're out of order. Case in point. When you look at someone in the fivefold ministry, most people look at that office as this is the place where we want to acquire. We want to be up there. We want to preach. A lot of people want to be up on the stage like that. But the gifting and calling of someone in the fivefold, whether it be apostle, prophet, preacher, evangelist, or teacher, and I did not put those in order, any one of those, they are called a gift from Christ to the body in Ephesians. So the fivefold ministry is actually a gift of God to the church. It's not the other way around. The church is not a gift of, of God to the fivefold ministry. The church is not a gift of God to support the fivefold ministry. 
The fivefold ministry is called to be the servant or the teacher to the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can be sent out or thrust out into the harvest field to win souls for Jesus. That's good, man. That's good. And so when when we refuse to take our part and our place in where we're called to be, we hinder the move of God and the move of the Spirit because we assume a position that's not our own. Yeah. When we try, yeah, go ahead. As I said, let's walk this back a little bit. Let's walk this back a little bit because um, there's there's a lot to what you just said, especially starting off. That can you imagine if Moses would have stayed in the palace in a successful position as the prince of Egypt, and he would have never left? Can you imagine that he would have missed out? on the call of God in his life and how that call affected millions of people. And we're still talking about it today. That's good. Can you imagine? Can you imagine David staying a shepherd? Can you imagine David using his gift as a warrior and thinking that he's supposed to just be a general and that's it when he was called to be king? And so there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes where God has, has callings on our life. But we have to be certain that we don't miss that. And I believe one of the things that we talked about before we got on the call was that in those quiet times with the Lord is where he'll direct you, is where he'll say, well, this is where I want you to go. And these are the paths that he's laid out before the foundation of the world for us to walk in. The Bible talks about steps of a good man being ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. I believe that situation with Moses where he ran to the Egyptian that's what really thrust him into the wilderness where he had his encounter with God. But God will use even the things that are not so pleasant, even, frankly, when we get off target because of selfish reasons, because of sin, that he'll use that because the Bible says he uses all things. They all work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. He used that very thing to thrust them into the will that God had for him. And so it's not just the gift. And the gifts are of God are without uh, repentance. The, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. But in other words, he's not going to pull those back from you. He's not going to take them away. He's not, um, you, you won't give it and take it away. Those are, those are hours of steward while we're here on this earth. But the calling, those, those gifts will help us to walk in our calling more effectively. And we're That's gifted it, ultimately to walk in the calling to bring him glory. Hey, another thing about gifting is it doesn't always mean you're called to preach. Mm. Think about Joseph with the coat of many colors. Or even King David, like you just brought up. But with Joseph with the coat of many colors, first of all, what if he never got thrown into that hole and got pulled out Mm. and sold into slavery? If he had never been sold as a slave, he never would have ended up in Potiphar's house. If he never ended up in Potiphar's house and then falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, then he never would have ended up in jail. If he never ended up in jail, he never would have had the opportunity to be a good steward there as well, allowing himself to be promoted to the pretty much right-hand man of the jailer, where he ran into the uh, the baker and the uh, cupbearer, which ended up getting him in the long run rubbing arms with Pharaoh. Mm. If he was never able to rub elbows with Pharaoh, Different would be the story today. Joseph was a good steward of his wait, time. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, so are you saying that it was God's will for him to go into that pit? I'm saying that God uses anything that he can to get you to where he needs you to be. 
There you go. There you go. God uses whatever situation you come into to get you to where you need to be. I think Joseph ran off at the mouth too fast. If he'd have kept his mouth shut with his brothers and his dad, he would have probably ended up in the pit. Think about Mm -hmm. it. He's from a family who worships Jehovah, the one and only true God. Not only that, but he, he sees dreams and he interprets dreams. Where do you think he got that from? Walking with Jehovah. So if he can interpret the dreams, his, mom, his daddy and his brothers can interpret dreams. So it's no wonder immediately they got mad at him because they knew exactly what the dream meant. Think about that for a second. Story of Joseph has always been one of my favorites. There's, there's so much there. And then we see a lot of the we, – we can take a lot from the story of Joseph and look at our own lives. And it gives you a bird's eye view, like God's perspective on someone's life. You know, when we're going through the – the deal, everything that we go through in our lives, the trials and the tribulations, the tough times, the good times, the bad times. And sometimes we, it seems like the days kind of run into each other, but we don't see that God is painting a masterpiece of our lives. And there's the tapestry of our lives, and God is ordering this thing and just bringing out something beautiful. And we see that in the story of Joseph. We see God's workings, whether, we, whether he realized it or not, God the entire time, was working, and at the end of his, at the end of the story, you see him with the brothers, and he said, "You know what?" And it's like he has this, this aha moment, this revelation that God the whole time was working, working this thing for my good, and had this thing, uh, even though they meant it for bad, that God meant it for good, and and I, I believe that that's what's happening in our lives right now. God is thrusting. I think we need to look for the clues of how God is pushing us in certain areas. I think we need to look at the clues of the things that we're passionate about. Look at the clues of even our giftings. And these are clues that are leading us to our, ultimately to our calling. But the key piece and the foundational piece in all of it is that alone time and that quiet time with God so that, you know, simply if, if I want to get my Nissan Maxima here fixed and I want it done right, I'm probably not going to go to Joe Small in the corner I'm probably going to go back to a Nissan dealership where they have authentic Nissan parts and know exactly how it's supposed to work, what type of oil it's supposed to take down to the grade. They know their vehicle because they're the manufacturer. So it's the same thing with us and God. We need to go back and we need to get along with the Lord and say, Lord, you made me this way. You formed me this way. You gave me this bend. Show me what it is that you want me to do. He's faithful. He doesn't want us out there and blindly going about life. No, he wants us to be, he, he promised that if we were, to, if we were going to trust him and acknowledge him in all our ways, that he would, he would, he would direct our path. Man, that's so good, brother. I mean, you hit it right on the head. It's all about identity. And that's exactly how Joseph was able to maintain good stewardship in every situation he was in. And he became pretty much a politician. So he was not a preacher. He was not a teacher. He became a leader and a ruler in his nation, but it was because he had identity in his God. He knew God was the deliverer. He knew that God would watch over him, and he knew that in everything he was faithful in, that when God saw that, that he was promoting him 
So he remained in proper identity, in proper alignment with the Lord in the path he was created for. He didn't try to be his daddy or his brothers or Pharaoh. He didn't try to be Potiphar. He tried to be Joseph. Mm-hmm. And because he remained Joseph and what God had created Joseph to be, he was able to become the best form of Joseph he could be because God blessed everything he put his hands to. So he has to learn to be That's satisfied with the way God made us, like you said, and that bent that God has given each one of us, whether it be prophetic, whether it be healing, whether it be stewardship of finances, whether you're gifted in business or sales, whether you're a man that's into science or a woman that's into science, or whether you're somebody that's a great writer or a great orator, it doesn't matter. The point is, is who did God make you to be? You have to get in the presence of God. You have to seek his face. You need to get the voice of God speaking to you so that you know who you are. This is the most critical thing in each one of our lives. We must have proper alignment. We must have proper identity because if we do not have proper alignment and identity, any sinking sand, any moving wave, will move you from your foundation and prevent you from being successful and being built high upon the rock where you're supposed to be. We have to get ourselves aligned to where God would have us to be, not allowing ourselves to even get in the way. Because sometimes, Andre, I'm sure you can attest to it, brother, sometimes we start thinking too much of ourselves and we try to say, oh, Mm -hmm. I am this Mm -hmm. and I am that. Oh, I can do it just like him or I can do it better. God didn't call you to be like him. He didn't call you to do it better than him. He called you to do it like you were supposed to do it. God didn't make two Andres. He didn't make two Kirks. He didn't make two Creflo Dollars. He didn't make two Kenneth Copelands. He didn't make two of any of these great names. He made one of each of them. And even identical twins have different personalities. That goes to show you how much God likes individuality. So God does not want us to be an exact duplicate or replica of each other, but we're supposed to be good stewards in the identity that we're given so that we can best present ourselves to him and for him to work through us. And as he works through us, things are going to get blessed. Guys, we never want to wrap up our calls without giving you the opportunity to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9-10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified, and with your mouth one confesses and is saved. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please pray this prayer after me. Lord, I thank you that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe that you are the Son of God, and I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. Friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, you are saved. And we are so excited and would love to hear from you. At the same time, the next step for you is to get involved and planted in a good Bible teaching church. This will help you grow and learn about the wonderful life God has for you. We would also like to invite each and every one of you to check out our ministry page. You can do this by going to mooseministriesinc.com. Here you'll find links to connect with us, read our blog, and keep track of our different projects as we take this adventure in spreading the gospel. God bless.